Hey, uh, thanks for being here today. It's great to see you. I'm surprised so many of you here on such a rainy day, uh, but thank you for being here. If you would, in your bulletin, you'll find a study guide if you'll grab that out, and uh, feel free to grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack. And while you're doing that, let me do two things. Number one, I want to put a plug in for this evening. This evening, we're going to be looking at part three of our study on the matter of fear. We're going to be going a different direction than we've gone before, and I think it'll be greatly beneficial for you. So I wish that you'd come back this evening. Sun's supposed to come out. The rain's going to go away, so you won't have to walk in in the weather. And just come and be part of the service. It is interactive. It takes place right in here. It's interactive to the degree you want it to be. Uh, you can engage in conversation or you can sit and not say a word. It's totally up to you. No one will ask you to say anything if you don't want to. I understand that fear. And uh, while that's not part of the conversation tonight, it won't be brought up. So you don't have to worry. The second thing is, just to give you a little update on uh, where things stand with me, the, the blood clot is still in my leg and it'll be there probably another two months uh, at best, they, it's, it's fairly involved, so it's going to take a while to, to uh, see it dissolve. The only time it hurts, a lot of you have been asking, so let me just tell you, the only time it hurts is when I'm on it a lot, hence the reason I sit um, most services now. And, uh, but otherwise, it's, it's a fairly painless event for me, so I'm fairly thankful for that. Uh, I'm not in any immediate danger. I know that the clock can break away and cause problems, but for the most part, things are going very smoothly. So thank you very much for praying, and uh, please continue to do that. That would be appreciated. Well, before we get to part three of our study on fear this evening, today we've got to get to part four of our study in Psalm 119. And uh, as you see on our study guide, we're talking about uh, this particular chapter and how it is certainly all about the Bible. We're going to see that to be true as we make our way through this study today, verses 25 through 32, part 4, session 4 of 22 sessions that are found in this chapter. And uh, we're going to see how it definitely relates us back to the common theme, the Word of God, but in the process, we're also going to see something that's totally unique, at least to this point, for this particular chapter. We're going to be looking at something that, for me, caught me off guard. I've, I've taught through this chapter before, and I did not see what I'm seeing now. It's amazing how what's going on in your life brings out different aspects of Scripture. The Word of God is alive. It truly is alive. And as a result, it, it molds itself, or rather we mold ourselves to the Word of God in different circumstances in our lives. And I've seen some things in this particular study, this time through, that I haven't seen before, that I'm excited to share with you. Because what I believe is we're going to see three stages of life for the psalmist. Three particular stages of life. This isn't his first, middle, and last. No, this is just three parts of his life. I don't really know how long those stages lasted or, or how long they, they were there in his life. But what I know is that these three stages are going to be brought to a head in this first one. The first stage, I believe, 
that most of us are going to be able to look at what's going on and say, you know what, I've been there. Man, I've been there. In fact, for some of us, whether here live or watching over social media, you're going to be able to say, you know what, I'm there right now. That's exactly what's going on in my life. And I believe that this is going to be very powerful for us because it's going to bring us to a place to where we see where we are. Most of us already realize that, but it's going to make it very evident. We're going to be able to relate to what's happening in this first stage. And we're going to see some maturity and some healing that takes place as we make our way from stage one to stage two, from stage two then to stage three. And I believe whether you're in the middle of the first stage right now or you just know because you've been there, that we're going to be able to look at this and we're going to be able to say, you know what, I have never made it to the second stage or I've never made it to the third stage. I've made it maybe through what's going on. I've made it through that stage, but I've never advanced. God wants us to advance. He wants us to mature through everything that happens in life. And we're going to see... How the psalmist does that. I'm excited to share this information with you. So get ready. Your first fill in. The first thing we come to in the life of the psalmist in this particular section. We see number one. A broken man. We see a broken man. Now this is totally different than what we've seen in the previous three sessions. These other sections had him as a very... In fact, I would imagine we would describe him as the eternal optimist. I mean, everything was positive. Yes, there were some difficulties, but I'm barreling through them. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to focus on the Word of God. In fact, I am overwhelmed with the desire for God's Word. That's what he was saying. But what we find today in this first stage is that we find a guy who is now overwhelmed with despair. He's overwhelmed with what's happening in life. And in fact, verse 25 says, I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. I lie in the dust. In this day and time, people would sit in dust and ashes to show grief and, and to show despair. And they would throw the dust on their head. The psalmist has bypassed that step. And man, he's just right down in it. His whole body is covered in dust. And literally he feels that he's at the point of death. I don't know that I can go on. I don't know that I can continue. Life has gotten me to such a place that I don't know that I can manage to move forward. What a sad, sad event. Verse 28 also gives us additional information. When he says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. So the psalmist is in this time of deep despair. He is laying face down on the ground. He feels like he's about to die. No doubt he has not enough energy to get up. And so he cries out, God, you got to do something here. We see him going from overwhelmed by the Word of God to overwhelmed by life. And I just wonder how many of us, without raising your hand or saying anything, how many of us would say, that's where I am. 
It's exactly where I am. Man, I just feel like I don't know. It feels like life is winning right now. And I'm losing. I can't go on. Psalmist finds himself in no small situation. This is not a little surface deal. This is not one of those things that he says, well, it'll be better tomorrow. Because in fact, he is in a very, very bad place. He's one that, as we've seen in the other sections, said, you know what, I want my life to be marked by my focus on the Word of God. I want that to be my default mode so that when life is good, my default is to go to the Word of God. When life is, is well, so-so, my default is to go to the Word of God. And when life is really bad, I want my default mode to be that I go to the Word of God because there's where my encouragement, there's where my life is found. There's where there is hope. And at this point, he is so discouraged because instead of that being his default, instead of that being what he expected, I mean, here he is, a man who is well matured in God, a man who has followed closely to God, and yet he's fallen. He, he's, he's fallen into the things that he despised. He has allowed the, the things of the world to overcome him, and instead of focusing on God, he's focused on these things, and it has brought him to a point of desperation, Face down in the dirt. What an incredible thing we find about this guy. Last week we talked about what an amazing man David is or was. And we see it once again. You say, wait a minute, I see him face down in the dirt, full of despair, about to die. I mean, how do you consider this to be amazing? It's because he understood something that is so very important for us to capture. He understood that there is hope and there is life in the Word of God. And therefore, even in the midst of this despair, what is he doing? He's crying out to God, God, revive me by your Word. In other words, resuscitate me. Give me life. I'm, I'm about to die here and I desperately need your Word. And I'm weeping with such sorrow. I'm overwhelmed by what's happened in my life. I need you to encourage me through your word. You see, he had come to an understanding that life is found in the word of God and obedience to the word of God. Now hear this for a second. Because life is given on many levels through the word of God. Think about it with me. You may be saying, I don't really know if I believe that. But let me just give you evidence of that. The Bible shows us that there is abundant life found in the Word of God. That which Jesus came to provide. There is spiritual life found in the Word of God through our obedience to it. And there is physical life found. I'll give you one example of Scripture that actually relates to all three. The Bible says, children, obey your father and mother in the Lord, for this is right. It's the right thing to do. Spiritual life is found in obedience to the Word of God. So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he says, 
that it may be well with you. Obedience brings a life that is desirable, an abundant life. Not that we won't have problems, not that we won't have difficulties, not that there won't be issues that come up that bring us down, but it will be well with us in that we will find peace and joy and satisfaction and fulfillment in obedience to the Word of God. And so there is physical life when we say later on in the verse, the end of the verse when he says that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Physical life comes, spiritual life comes, abundant life is evident through obedience to the Word of God. And the psalmist is looking at this and he's saying, God, I desperately need your Word in my life. Now it is this hope that allows him to transition from stage one to stage two. Stage one, we see a broken man, but a broken man that understands that life is found in the Word of God. So when he's in deepest despair, when he's at the moment of death, when he feels overwhelmed by what's happening in his life, where does he know to turn? He knows to turn to God and to God's Word. And so as a result, this broken man now transitions to number two, your next fill-in, a searching man. A searching man. Not that he's not still broken. Not that he's not still going through some difficulties and some trouble as a result of what he has already experienced. But there is a change in his mentality. I believe that in fact God has heard and answered his prayer. That God has resuscitated him. He has established life in him as the psalmist turned to him. I believe that God has heard his prayer. Even as we see in verse 26. The psalmist says, I told you my plans and you answered me. Now teach me your decrees. I think we see that God is answering prayer throughout this entire situation. I think we see God at work in his life. So what was the plan that he had told God? If you back up in your memory to last week, verse 23, where he said, Even princes sit and speak against me, but I will meditate on your word. So here we have it. The good times of life, the not so good times of life, the horrible times of life. What is the psalmist determined to do? I'm not going to focus on the problem. I'm not going to focus on the issue. But I'm going to meditate on your word. That's where my attention is going to be drawn. I'm going to meditate on your word. Okay, so that was the plan. He said, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to dig in. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to invest my time in your word. God, I need you to reward me. I need you to reward my diligence. I need you to sustain my life, to fulfill my life, to increase my life, so that I may obey you through your word. That has to go back a couple of sessions or sections to understand that or remember that. And so he says in verse 27, Help me understand the meaning of your commandments. I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. You see, the value of God's word was not lost on the psalmist. He had experienced it firsthand. 
You go back to all the different things that happened in his life as he was chased by King Saul. King Saul with the armies wanted to find him and destroy him. As he stood up as a teenager against a giant of a man, he understood the significance and value of God's word because he literally staked his life upon it. He had felt it. He had experienced it. And now he's saying, God, I, I need, I desire to know more. Help me understand more. And so he searches the word of God. Why? Because he has come to the understanding that life is found in God's word. And therefore, he must search it out. He must invest his time so that as life goes on, he can learn to come into line with it more. Why? Because he doesn't want to end up where he was before. He doesn't want to end up face down on the ground again. He wants to have his focus and his attention on something that will sustain life. So he says, I will meditate. I will think about. I will mull over in my mind your wonderful deeds. I will dwell upon what you have done, what you have told me you have done, because herein is life. Verse 29 now, he adds to the conversation something that almost seems out of place. It, it seems off topic at first. He says, keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. One of the things I love about the psalmist is his transparency. Many starts this by saying, look at where I am, face down in the dust. I've allowed my rebellion against God, my sinfulness to overtake me, and as a result, it has brought me to the point of death. This is the king of, 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 of Israel, the, the most powerful king in the known world. He doesn't have to be open to the people who are going to read this. He doesn't have to do that. And yet he wants so badly for people to understand. He wants people to connect with this. He wants people to relate to what happened in his life so that they in turn wouldn't have to face it. And if they did face it, they would know what to do. And here we find him once again, total transparency. He's saying, you know what, I know my heart too well. I've got a strong desire to grow. I've got a strong desire to engage your word. And yet, once again, I find myself wandering from the way. Man. I know what brought me to this place. And I also know how good I am at justifying what I do. Probably no one in this room can do that. <laughs> or maybe all of us could. The psalmist said, God, I'm not really concerned about what other people are thinking about me. At this point, that's not really my, my concept, not really my concern. But what I'm really concerned about is that I have this disability that I have honed to something that's really incredible in a very bad way. 
I can justify my wrongful actions. I can justify my wicked heart. I can justify my gossiping tongue. I can justify my lying lips. I can justify my theft. I have the ability to do something wicked and to spin it around in the way I tell it to somebody else and make it look like it was a good thing. What an incredible life lesson he spells out for us. Because I don't know about you, I think I do, but I've gotten really good at that myself. You know, I can, I can do something I'm not supposed to do, and I can somehow work the language to where it's justified. To my remembrance, I've not done this in a while, but I remember back a few years where I could take something that didn't belong to me, and by the time I was finished talking about it to myself, there was a really good reason why I took it, and it's the best thing in the world that could have ever happened. I could talk about somebody, belittle somebody behind their back. To where if somebody else heard that, they would think, oh, that person must be a dog. And yet I could spin it around in my mind to where, oh, I, I'm doing the right thing by doing that. It's a matter of justification. How good we get at something like that. Maybe it would be better if we were praying with the psalmist. God, help me not... To lie to myself. Instead, help me just to see it for what it is. Help me to see this as you describe it in your word. Help me to see it as sin. And not try to make it okay. What an incredible guy David was. So we see him starting as a broken man, and yet this hope he has. He begins to pray and to talk to God, and God restores him and begins the process of healing in his life and brings him to a place to where he once again is searching the Scripture because he wants to know more. He wants to be, as he's traveling in this land as a sojourner, he wants to be able to, to, to do what is pleasing to God, to the one who is overseeing it. And so he wants to know more. He's searching. And it is this searching then that brings him to this third stage in this part of his life to where now we see number three your last fill in a dedicated man we see a dedicated man verses 30 through 32 listen to what he says I have chosen to be faithful I have determined to live by your regulations I cling to your laws, Lord, don't let me be ashamed, or don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands, for you expand my understanding. Now right off the bat, we need to hit the issue of boasting, because some people will look at that and say, oh my goodness, what a windbag. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. I will pursue your commands. 
And yet if you put that in context and you understand what he's already revealed about himself, he is not boasting here. He is saying, I've already been down that path. I've already gone the other way. I didn't find much joy in it. I found despair. I found heartache. I found sorrow. I found near death. But I didn't find what I was looking for. And as a result, I don't want to travel that road again. And so, and so instead of determining that that's going to be my chosen field, my chosen direction, I instead am choosing something that is far better for me. Isn't that where God wants us to be? I mean, He wants us to learn from experiences. He wants us to learn from life. And when we get into those sinful things and that rebellion against God, God desires so much for us to be in the right place, the best place for us, that He begins to discipline our lives. And the discipline is determined in order to bring us back so that we decide, you know what, I don't want to be there again. That's a painful place to be, and I don't want to be visiting that location very often. The psalmist said, as a result, I, I have chosen to be faithful. And then he says, let me not be put to shame. I thought about that. Let me not be put to shame, because we saw that in the previous section. Maybe you remember... People were talking about him, and, and one of the things he said was, Don't let me be put to shame because I've obeyed your law. Don't let me be put to shame because I've done what you told me to do. Most likely, people were saying, He's not doing what God wants him to do. What a waste. What a joke. And at that point in time, he could say, Yes, God, you know my heart. Don't let them put me to shame. But here I get the feeling that this is a totally different situation. Because what's going on in his life, he's been transparent about it. He's not trying to hide it. Anyone who looks at him could say, he's not doing what God says right now. And so I don't think he's trying to cover it up. I don't think he's trying to be two-faced in this situation. I, don't, I really don't think that's the case. I don't think he's concerned with what other people think here once again. But I think he's ultimately concerned with what God thinks. God, oh, I've been face down. And I don't want to be there again. I don't want to be shamed before you again. I know the... The, the sin that brought me to that point. I know the hurt that it caused. I know the embarrassment and the shame that it brought to you. God, don't let me go back there. I want to live for you. I've determined to live by your regulations, so I won't go back there. God, don't let me be put to shame. What's he saying? God, I am totally dependent upon you. I desperately need you. The ongoing trend, the ongoing conversation, his dependence upon God. God, keep me strong. Keep me in your will. Keep me standing for you. Because you expand my understanding. You grow me. 
You develop me. You replenish my heart with more knowledge of your word, with more love for your word, with more desire for your word. You, you knock the shackles of, of corruption off me. They're still there in places. And, and you work systematically to bring that to an end. You give me more love for you. You establish me. You put my feet on a rock. You give me a firm place to stand. God, don't knock that rock out from under me. Don't let me be ashamed. Increase my understanding so that I know more and more how to live in rightness before you. Once again, man, I say, what an amazing guy. He doesn't have to share these things with us. But what a benefit it is that he has. So what do we do with this information? You know, for the person who's in this situation now, you find yourself broken. Man, it is my prayer for you. That God will allow you to see your next steps. That you don't have to stay stuck. That there is life found in God's word through obedience to his commandments. And there is abundant life awaiting you. It's just a simple matter of determining, God, I, I want to move toward wellness. I want to move toward spirit, spiritual healing. And then... That you desire and want to become that searching person. That you're going to search the scriptures so that you understand God's plan. And that's going to move you then to a dedicated person. Because you understand more and you desire more. And you don't want to go back where you've been. Man. I look back over my life and one of the things I know for sure, there's been some really deep holes I've gotten into and I don't want to go back there. Maybe you're the same. For others of us who we've been there, maybe not there right now, but we've been there but we can look and see, you know what, I didn't really grow through that process. I, I've made it out of that difficulty. But I really didn't grow. I really didn't advance. I didn't mature in Christ. And as a result, I want to become that searching person. And I want to become that dedicated person. My God, help us do that. And finally, for the person who doesn't know Christ as Savior. This morning we witnessed three of our own being obedient to identification with Christ. Not salvation, that was already done, but just the time of identifying with what Christ did for us through His death, His burial, and His resurrection. I can tell you, you can talk to any of them and ask them what's different. And I will assure you, part of what's different is a peace in their life that they didn't have before. So if you don't know Christ, whether you find yourself in the situation as David did to open our study, or else you know you've been there before, that today you would just say, you know what, I, I need, 
I need God in my life. I've ran from Him, or, or maybe you've never even heard of Him. Whatever your situation, you know today that you need God in your life. And here's what I wish you would do with this information. I wish today would be the day you would come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To come to know Him. You say, well, how do I do that? I don't know anything about it. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. Our instrumentalist will come. Jason will come to sing. and He's going to sing what we term as an invitational song. And it just opens up an invitation for you to respond. If you're in the middle of a difficulty, you're not right with God, and today you just need to cry out to Him. Maybe you want to come and find a place here at the front and, and do that. If you don't know Christ as Savior, then that invitational song is for you too. Does this give you an opportunity just to come and meet me right here at the front? You say, oh, I could never do that. Let me make some promises to you. The goal of this is not to embarrass you. It's not to point you out. It's not to ask you to join anything. It's not to ask you to give anything. What we want to do is to provide some information to you about the matter of salvation that we believe will be greatly beneficial to you. So if you'd like to have that information, it's just a simple matter of stepping out and meeting me here at the front. I'm not going to call your name out. I'm not going to point you out to the crowd. We don't do that. But we'll have someone who's skilled in God's Word just to show you God's plan of salvation and how today you can know Jesus Christ as Savior. If you'd like to know more about that, then the invitation is for you. Thank you.